And how many of you are glad you're in church this evening? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm excited to be here this evening. I'm excited to be here this week. And I hope and pray uh, that we can be an encouragement to you all. You all have been an encouragement to us. And what a blessing it is to be here at White Oak Baptist Church. And I'm going to uh, get right into it this evening. Uh, if you will, take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter number 1. Uh, Brother George is asking me if anyone needs an outline uh, for, for taking notes. If you can raise your hand, he'll get them to you. And so we got a few, Brother George, that still need outlines. Amen. We're in Romans chapter number 1. We're going to end up uh, in Luke chapter number 14. But I want to read a few verses in Romans chapter number 1 before we jump over to Luke chapter 14. And uh, the title of the message this evening is No Excuses. No Excuses. And uh, Romans chapter number 1, we're going to begin reading in verse number 16. We'll read down to verse number 20, and then we'll jump over to uh, Romans chapter 2 for a, a quick look, and then we'll get into the message. Romans chapter number 1, uh, verse number 16, and uh, we did this morning, we did stand for the reading of the Word of God. We do that normally on Sunday night as well? Amen. If you're able, uh, let's go ahead and stand out of respect for the Word of God as we read, and uh, we'll read verses 16 through 20. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into it. Verse number 16, the Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. And I want to focus a little bit of attention here on this last phrase in verse number 20. So that they are without excuse. They are without excuse. Uh, jump over to Romans chapter number 2, and let's look at verse number 1 real quickly. Verse number 1 of Romans chapter number 2. Verse 1 of Romans 2 says, Therefore thou art inexcusable. You're without excuse, it's saying here. Thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. Now, the topic tonight is excuses. Excuses. Every last one of us here this evening uh, has at some point in time uh, come up or, or, or manufactured an excuse for not doing something. Uh, I'll admit I've done it. Uh, I'm sure everyone here this evening could admit that as well. Uh, but, you know, there are some things that uh, God is telling us here in the Bible and the Word of God, particularly in Luke chapter number 14, that when it comes to serving Him, when it comes to living for Him, when it comes to obeying Him, God accepts no excuses. He accepts no excuses. Let's, let's look at that tonight. Let's bow together for a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into the message. Father in heaven, Lord, we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us, dear Lord, of our sin, Lord, of our unrighteous thoughts, deeds, and words, Lord, things that are not pleasing in your sight. Forgive us particularly, Lord, specifically of the times when we find reasons to excuse ourselves. Lord, when we manufacture excuses for our service to you, our devotion to you, our, our prayer time, or our Bible reading time, or excuses not to witness, or excuses not to tithe, or excuses not to go to church. Lord, we've all done some of those to a certain degree. And Lord, we pray that you would help us. 
Help us to be better Christians. Help us, Lord, to be more Christ-like. We pray this evening, Lord, that you would revive us as we've sung already. Please, dear God, revive in us uh, your spirit within us, Lord. And, and we, uh, we pray that you would help us to submit to him and his leadership. Lord, we do love you and thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy. Uh, in spite, Lord, of the, the, the some, sometimes sinful behavior that we display. Lord, bless your word. Bless your people this evening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. No one will be able to stand before Almighty God in the day of judgment and have an excuse for not receiving Christ. Now, if you are saved tonight, if you know the Lord is your Savior, uh, you will not stand before the great white throne judgment. That is a judgment that is reserved only for the unsaved. If you are saved tonight, if you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will stand at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, as it's referred to, and your works will be judged. Uh, not You won't be judged for your salvation, but you will be judged for your works. Now, the Bible is very clear that no one will be able to stand before God and make an excuse for not doing what they were supposed to do. We have no excuse. In particular, even uh, folks that maybe live in a, in a third world country, maybe a, a heathen person that may have been born uh, in some jungle somewhere who never had a copy of the Word of God, who never had a missionary come to preach to them, who never had a church, who never had a pastor, uh, who never uh, were, was presented the, the clear, a clear presentation of the gospel. Listen, uh, they will stand before God without an excuse. And it appears you would think that that individual does have an excuse, but not before God. You see, how can that person accept something that they've never heard? How can that person uh, reject Christ if they've never heard of Christ? Well, the Bible is very clear that whether a person has a local New Testament church, whether that person has a, a pastor, whether that person has a copy of the Word of God or not, the existence of God, the fact that God exists is something that every human being that's ever lived and ever will live is very clear and knows that he exists. Everyone does. The Bible tells us that. As a matter of fact, uh, let's get right into it. Point number one. Uh, point number one, all can experience the existence of God. Every single human being, every person that's ever uh, been born on the face of the earth and it's, and it's lived long enough to be able to understand, uh, they know that God exists. No one is born an atheist. No one. It's innate in us. Uh, it's something that we're born with, with a, the, uh, the fact that God exists. Now, uh, examples of God is, uh, God's existence, rather, are, are everywhere. Uh, everyone has some light. Uh, I remember uh, listening to a message by uh, Pastor Dr. Curtis Hudson. Uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord many years ago. He pastored a, a very large church uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh, and he, he taught this, this thing through. And uh, listen, the heathen, uh, the, the third world country, that, the, the person that's born in these places that doesn't have a Bible church, doesn't have a, a, the scriptures, doesn't have a preacher. Listen, they will stand before God if they don't accept Christ with no excuse. No excuse. All right, look at Romans chapter number 2. Romans chapter number 2 and verse number 14. Verse number 14. It says, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, they don't have the word of God, they don't have the law, they do by nature the things contained in the law. It's natural for an, a person to know that some things are wrong and some things are right. It's just natural. We're born that way. Okay, we don't have to be taught these things. It goes on to say, do by nature the things contained in the law. These 
having not the law, are a law unto themselves. And so letter A under point number one, uh, all can experience the existence of God. Everyone has the knowledge that God exists in their conscience. Letter A, their conscience. Uh, Listen, God has testified to every human being that he exists uh, in their heart, in their conscience. They know that there's a creator. They know that God exists. Now, no one is born, uh, as an atheist, no one is born uh, believing that God doesn't exist. That's something that they learn after they're born. Look at it. Look at verse number 15. Verse number 15 of Romans chapter 2. It says, which show the work of the law. Look at what it says here. Written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness. And their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. We see what the Bible is telling us here. In verse number 15, everyone has the knowledge of God, uh, the existence of God as part of their uh, innate, they're born with it, it's in their heart, it's in their conscience. Belief in God is something that everyone is born with. You see, it's instinctive. Uh, all of us, as little children, had something inside of us tell us that there was a God. I remember, I got saved as an 18-year-old, but I remember, I never went to church, I never heard a sermon, I never read the Bible, but somewhere, somehow, I knew that God existed. I just knew it. I never doubted it. I never questioned it. I never said, well, I'm an atheist, I don't believe there's a creator, I don't believe there's a God. I just look around and say, well, there's got to be something that spun this into uh, motion here. It's got to be. It was innate. It was in my heart. I had never been to church. No one ever taught me. I had no religious uh, leaning either way, right, left, indifferent, none of those things. But I knew that God existed. So when I was presented with the gospel, it was easy for me to believe it. It was easy for me to accept it because it was already written in my heart. Uh, Are you all with me tonight? And so the heathen, uh, the, the person in the third world country who doesn't have a Bible, who doesn't have a church, who doesn't have a pastor, listen, if they don't trust Christ as their Savior, they'll stand before God without excuse. Psalm 14.1 and Psalm 53.1, they both say the exact same thing. The fool had said in his heart, there is no God. It's foolish for someone to think that God does not exist. And I know of many people that have uh, grown up and, and lived the atheist lifestyle, and eventually they came to trust Christ as Savior and believe, obviously, that the Lord does exist. You see, history has proven that a common characteristic in all people, a common characteristic in, in, in all uh, folks of, of history past, is to believe that there's a God, believe that there's life after death. Uh, man is basically a religious creature because of his innate sense of God's existence in his conscience. So, listen, the, the heathen, no, no excuse, no excuse. God has placed his truth, his existence in the heart, in the heart, letter B. Not only is there a testimony that God exists in the conscience, letter B, there's a testimony that God exists in creation, in creation. Creation itself proves that there's a creator, Psalm 19.1, the Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth, displays, it proves that there's a God. It showeth His handiwork. Uh, it's, it's impossible for us to look at this complex world that we live in, the complex uh, system of the physical human body, it's impossible for us to think that that just happened by chance. It's impossible. I've heard many preachers say, and I say it myself, it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it is to believe that God exists and He created man and He sent His Son to die on the cross for their sins. It takes more faith. I mean, 
those folks that believe, they got greater faith than I got. Because I can't believe that stuff. That stuff makes absolutely no sense. How, how we evolved and, and how the world just came to be from some explosion and from millions and millions of years. And I think, wow, that, that's crazy. And so it takes more faith to not believe in God than it does to believe in God. The fact that our world, our universe, our, our whole world system, it, it functions in an orderly fashion, demonstrates that there's a creator that intelligently designed it to function that way. God has told us in our hearts that He exists. God has shown His handiwork in creation. And listen, no heathen, uh, no, no, no uh, a third world country person, no one that has ever lived on the face of the earth will be able to stand before God if they don't trust Christ and say, I have an excuse. No one. See, even if they never saw a Bible, even if they were never witnessed to, even if they never heard the gospel, uh, then they at least have the testimony of their conscience in their hearts and the testimony of creation. By the way, they also have the testimony of Christ. That's not on the outline, but they also have the testimony of Christ and the canon, which is the word of God. It's been proven over and over and over again, uh, testimonies of people from history that Christ did exist and he did die and he was buried and he rose again the third day. There were witnesses to that. It's true. It's a real, true story that we read. And I say story, it's not a story. It's a, it's a true account of events that actually happened. And so we have testimony of God's existence. I'll turn back to Romans chapter 1. Let's look at verse number 20 once again. Verse number 20. The point, again, is all can experience the existence of God. Every human being. Verse 20 of Romans chapter 1. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. The invisible things of Him, of God, uh, the invisible things of God that we can't see, that we can't touch, that we can't, uh, we can't necessarily uh, grasp, it says here, the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. They're seen clearly by the fact that He created the world exactly the way He wanted to create it. And it works and functions uh, as if there was intelligent design. Amen? intelligently He designed it. It goes on to say in verse 20, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Every person that's ever lived on the face of the earth, listen, they, they may not have a Bible, they may not have a preacher, they may not have a church, but they know God exists. They know God exists. Now the question begs to be, uh, the, the, you beg, the, the question begs to be asked, Okay, well, just because they know God exists doesn't mean that they know how to trust Christ as their Savior. You're right. You see, but the, the, the truth is when a person has some light, they have some information, and they obey and they follow that light and that information, God gives them more. God gives them more. Uh, and that's point number two. Point number two, all can extend their knowledge of God. And not only can all experience the existence of God, but all can extend, uh, augment, increase their knowledge of God. Listen, if someone goes their entire life uh, without discovering God, without knowing God, it's not God's fault. It's their own fault. Uh, you see, God was looking for me. I wasn't looking for Him when I got saved. Anybody got that same testimony? I know there are others that say, well, I was searching and I was looking. And that's great. I'm glad to hear that. But let me tell you something. I was not looking for God when he found me. By the way, uh, you've heard the song. Uh, uh, what's that song? How's it go? Uh, I, I, uh, 
I saw it all, or I got it all, or I forget the song. It says, when I found the Lord, when I found the Lord. Uh, listen, he don't need to be found. He's not lost. Amen? We're the ones that are lost. And when, when the Lord found me, when I was lost and in my sin, and he searched me out, and, and he desired me, and, and he wanted to have a relationship with me, and he did all that was necessary so that I could have a relationship with him, listen, I wasn't looking for him, but he certainly was looking for me. And we see here that anyone who goes their entire life without knowing God, it's not God's fault. God has made himself known to all men. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation, the grace of God that bringeth salvation, hath appeared to some men. Is that what your Bible says? No, no, no. Uh, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to many men. Is that what your Bible says? No, no, no. It says the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. All men. And Ephesians tells us, let God be true and every man a liar. And so listen, what God says is right, whether we agree with it or not. Uh, whether we understand it or not, He is right and we're not. And so He says that I have made my way of salvation obvious and clear to all people. If a person obeys the light that they have, then God will absolutely give them more light. Alright, let me prove it to you. Turn to Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8. And stay with me. We're going to get to Luke chapter 14. Uh, we're setting the table here. And we're going to make a point here. Uh, look at Acts chapter number 8. And we're going to read uh, beginning in verse number 26. Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8. We see a man here who had some light. He didn't have all light. He didn't have a total, complete understanding of God. But he was searching. He was seeking. He was acting upon the light that he had. God gave him more light. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem. Look at what it says here. He had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He was seeking God. Uh, he was trying to find the Lord. He, he had some information. He had that, that conscience in his heart telling him. Uh, he had creation telling him there's a God. He exists. And he was trying to find Him. He was looking for the Lord. Look at verse 28. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. He had a portion of the book of Isaiah. Uh, he was seeking God out. He had some light. He had some understanding of God. Not a complete understanding. He had some, and he was continuing following that light that he had. All right, look at verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. God saw that he was seeking. God saw that he was following the light that he had. And he sent him someone to give him more light. Look at verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, look at what he said, How can I except some man should guide me? Man, I know a little bit, but I need some, I need some help. I need some instruction. I need someone to help me understand this. Uh, verse number, uh, let's continue, last part of verse number 31. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Verse 32. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, 
Of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Now, notice, he doesn't completely understand. He's not saved as of yet. Uh, he, he's seeking. He has some light. He has some information about God. He understands that God exists. He wants to know Him fully. He wants to know Him completely. He's saying, please help me. I want to know. And God says, I'll oblige. All right, look at verse number, uh, verse number 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus Uh, This is talking about the Lord Jesus. This is Isaiah 53. That's what it's referring to. He preached unto him Jesus, verse number 36. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Hey, I I, want to follow uh, in baptism. I want to get baptized. What's stopping me? Verse number 37. And Philip said, If thou believest. If thou believest. If you believe, if you accept Christ, uh, if you put your faith and trust in His finished work on the cross of Calvary for your eternal salvation, if you believe, look at it, verse number 37, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he, the eunuch, answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe. I believe. He says, man, I, I believe it. You finally helped me understand it. Now I know what it's talking about. I, I had some light. I searched. I, 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 I went after that light and trying to expand my, my knowledge of God. And you brought it to me. I believe. Look at verse 38. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Does anyone, everyone see what we're, what the Bible's teaching us here? This Ethiopian eunuch, uh, he was, he went to Jerusalem to worship. He's seeking God. Uh, he had a portion of the scripture. Didn't have a full, complete uh, portion of the scripture. Just a, just a, just a fragment. And he says, man, I want to know more about this. I want to know more about this. I want to seek God. I want to find the Lord. Man, I want to know God better. And God says, I see that. I'll bless that. Everybody see this? That's one example. There's another example uh, in Acts chapter number 10. Turn to Acts chapter number 10. Another example we see where men obeying the light that they had, God gave them more light. Uh, when we obey the light that we have, whether we're in some jungle somewhere or some third world country, if we obey the light of the, the, the knowledge of God in our hearts, the knowledge of God in creation, God will absolutely increase our light. Look at Acts chapter 10. Look at verse number 1. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. That's not the band that plays down at the Italian restaurant. Anyway, um, a band... <laughs> I, I thought that was funny. But anyway, uh, verse number two, a devout man. Look at the description of Cornelius. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms. He's devout. He fears God. He's giving to uh, religious causes. He's giving to people that are in need, uh, which gave much alms to the people. And look at it, the next phrase, and prayed to God always. He's praying. Uh, he's, he's seeking the Lord. He, he has some knowledge of God, but not a full and complete knowledge of God. And we see, look at verse number three. And he saw in a vision, evidently about the, uh, the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him. God saw his faith. God saw his, his desire to know God completely and fully. And God is blessing him as he's following the light that he has. Verse 3, he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. 
And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. God's seeing the faith you have. God is seeing uh, your attempts at trying to find Him. God is seeing the fact that you have some knowledge, you're obeying that knowledge, and God is ready to give you more. All right, look at verse number 5. Verse number 5, And now send men to Joppa, and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake on the Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And, he, and when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. You see the same thing happening here. He didn't have a full and complete knowledge of God, but he was following the light that he had, and God increased his light. God gave him more light. And so all can experience the existence of God. Number two, all can extend their uh, knowledge of God. Point number three, all can try to excuse their service to God. All can try to excuse their service to God. Let me say this. If God will not accept the excuse of someone born in a place that doesn't have a local church, if God will not accept the excuse of someone born in a place that doesn't have a, 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 a copy of the Word of God, if God will not accept the excuse of someone who didn't have a pastor, who didn't have a church congregation to go to, who didn't have uh, the things that we take for granted, if God will not accept their excuse, what makes us think that God will accept our excuses? You see, we make excuses. And listen, we are a blessed nation. I mean... 21st century Christians, we have so many more things than most Christians of history have had. I mean, we talked about a few this morning. A, a beautiful building, wonderful property, padded pews, air conditioning, heat in the winter. I mean, we got it made. Listen, we got copies of the Word of God, some that we haven't even, uh, that, that are collecting dust. I have at least four or five Bibles. We have the Bible on our cell phones. We have the, uh, the Bible on our computers. I mean, we have the Bible everywhere. But it seems like we're doing less of service to God, less of submission to God, the more of the Bible that we have. We make excuses. I'm just as guilty as the next guy. We make excuses. I mentioned it this morning. If something is important enough to us, we will find a way to do it. And I'm just as guilty. If something that I want to do really bad, I'll find a way. We're going to make it happen. If there's a game I want to watch... And there's other things that are happening. I'll DVR. Amen? <laughs> you with me? Uh, if there's things that we want to do, if we want to spend time with our spouse, and, and there's other things on the schedule, man, we'll find a way. But if it's not important enough, guess what we'll do? We'll manufacture an excuse. Well, you know, it's kind of late. Well, you know, I'm tired. Well, you know, I worked a lot of overtime. And well, you know, we got bills to pay. And uh, well, this and that and the other. And the kids. Man, we come up with all sorts of excuses as to why we can't do certain things. And listen, when it comes to obedience to God, when it comes to service to God, God will not accept our excuses. He will not accept our excuses. You see, the problem is that uh, most of us don't have a problem uh, admitting that we're sinners, that we're guilty. Uh, we don't have a problem with that. 
Well, most of us don't have a problem admitting that we have faults, that we are, we're a failure in certain areas, and, but we usually make excuses as to why we're a failure, as to why we have those faults. And, and we make excuses why we're not faithful to the Lord. We say, well, God, I know I'm guilty. I know I'm a sinner, uh, but I, I won't try to deny that. But I have a reason for my sin. It's, 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 what I'm, it's how I grew up. Uh, it's the family I had. And, and my dad wasn't loving. Uh, and, and maybe my parents were divorced. And, and, and this problem and that problem. And the spouse that I have, Lord. And, and, and he or she, man, they're just hard to deal with. And, and, then, and the folks at church. And, and this problem and that problem. The folks at work. We make excuses for our behavior. Listen, God accepts no excuses. No excuses. Uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 20, they are without excuse. Romans chapter 2 and verse 1, therefore thou art inexcusable. Now let's turn to our text in Luke chapter number 14. Luke chapter number 14, uh, this is the, the parable of uh, the great supper. Uh, we see a master preparing a, a great meal, uh, sending his servants out to call uh, certain folks to come to this meal. And they began to make excuses. Uh, Luke chapter 14, look at verse number 16. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. <clears throat> then said he unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. Verse 18. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. They've been invited. It's been prepared. The master has done all that's necessary to, to bless them with this supper. And, and, and he's invited them. Uh, they're, they're his guests. And they're making excuses. Look at it, verse 18. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. We see three excuses given here. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Hey, can I get out of it? Can I avoid it? Hey, listen, I got this thing going on over here. I'm a little busy. Hey, can you just, hey, uh, let, let me, let me uh, get out of this one for this time. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Maybe next year, pastor. Uh, uh, maybe in a couple years when I'm ready. Listen. Uh, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanisheth away. Listen, if we're going to serve God, we need to do it today. Today. Are y'all with me tonight? If we're going to live for the Lord, none of us, not a one of us is guaranteed to wake up tomorrow. Not a one of us. Not a one of us is guaranteed to make it home safely tonight. Not a one of us. And I'm telling you, if we're going to serve God, we need to do it now. If we're going to pray, we need to do it now. If we're going to read the Bible, we need to do it now. Uh, if we're going to uh, give the tithe and to give towards missions, listen, we need to do it now. Let's quit making excuses. God won't accept them. God won't accept them. No matter how genuine that excuse is, no matter how elaborate that excuse is, He will not accept them. This particular guy, his excuse is, man, I have property, I have stuff, I have investments, i got to care for these things, and man, have me excused. Let's look at the next one, verse 19, the next excuse. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. I've got work to do. I've got property that I've invested money, and I can't waste this property, and he's worried about making sure that his work gets done. i got to work, i got to work, i got to work. I don't have time to go to Sunday night church. I don't have time to make it Wednesday night. I don't have time for revival. Listen, you know, there was a time when revivals lasted more than just, you know, Sunday through Wednesday. There was a time when revivals lasted two weeks sometimes, if not longer. 
Could you imagine attempting that in the 21st century? <laughs> Y'all with me? Could you imagine pastor getting up here and saying, hey, we're going to have a revival for two weeks. I could hear the groans and the mo- <laughs> I know if I did that at the churches I pastored, I would hear the groans and the moans. Of, Are you crazy? Are you kidding me? We got stuff to do. Listen, we were created to worship him. Amen. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Hey, Christian, you were created for his pleasure, not your own. Hey, I have to remind myself, Pedro, you were created for God's pleasure, not for your own pleasure. You were created to honor Him and not to, to, to live for yourself and not to live for your, your only, live for your wife and your family, although you should. But listen, first and foremost, God should be number one. God should be number one. Let's quit making excuses. Uh, let's look at the next excuse. Look at verse number 20. Verse number 20. And another said, I have married a wife. Well, there's an excuse, amen. Uh, <laughs> at least he didn't say he had a, a funeral. Anyway, uh, and another said, <laughs> I'm sorry, Pastor. That's just, that's just going to stick for a while, okay? It was just hilarious. It was very funny. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, if you weren't here this morning, anyway, uh, just ask somebody. They'll tell you. Verse 20, and another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So what's this guy's excuse? Man, I got family. I got family events to go to. I got family to care for. I got a wife that I got to care for. And uh, listen, uh, my relationships, my family, my children. Let's make sure we understand. I, we're all for family. Amen. We're all for family. God's for family. It's 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 His first institution, actually, uh, in the book of Genesis. He instituted the family first. But let me say this: uh, He instituted the family. Uh, God is the one that gave Adam Eve. Uh, he didn't He didn't create Eve himself, Adam. No, no, no. God created Eve. God gave Ad, Eve to Adam. And so, so what he's saying, the priority is God first and then the family. You see, the family is our first ministry, but the Lord should have our first loyalty. Amen. Let me say that again. Our family is our first ministry, but God should have our first loyalty. As a matter of fact, he even addresses this. Look at verse number 26. Uh, verse number 26. He says in Luke 14, 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What's the Lord Jesus saying? That we're supposed to hate our family? Of course not. What the Lord Jesus is saying is that our love for him should be so much greater, so much stronger are so much bigger than our love for our wife and our family that this love pales in comparison to the love that we have for Him. I know this is not easy. I mean, this is hard stuff, but it's Bible. It's truth. And so we see these folks making excuses after excuses after excuses. Now, the question is, did the Master accept their excuses? I don't think so. Look at verse 21. Verse number 21. So that servant came... And showed his Lord these things. Uh, he gave him the report of what these men had said, their excuses. Then the master of the house being angry. Man, he was upset. Being angry said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. Uh, man, he was upset. He was angry. He did not accept their excuses. And he says, hey, if they won't come, if they won't participate, uh, if they won't have a part, we'll invite others to come and participate and have a part. 
You see, there's nothing worse than being on the outside looking in to what God's doing. I don't want to be on the outside. I want to be in on the blessings. I want to be part of the, the, the work. I don't want to be on the outside looking in and saying, man, I wish I would have. I wish I, I had. I should have done this. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I want to be in on. Uh, there was a fellow in our church in Baltimore, uh, Charlie Stringfellow. He always used to say, hey, man, I want to be under the spout where the blessing comes out, man. I want to be on the train when it, when it takes off, man. I don't want the thing to pass me by. And I believe he was 76 when he was saying these things. He's, he's gone on to, to heaven to be with the Lord, but what a great testimony. What a great heart. Man, I don't want to make excuses. I, I don't want to say, man, I'm too old, or I'm too young, or, or I'm this, or I'm that, or, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. Lord, with your strength, by your strength, with your power, Lord, I'll serve you. I'll give to you. I'll be consistent. I'll be humble. I'll be obedient. Lord, I will do what you've called me to do. I'm not going to make excuses. He won't accept them. Look at verse number 24. Verse number 24. Uh, verses 22 and 23, the master said, Go everywhere, compelling all to come in. Verse 24. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. I don't accept their excuses. Their excuses, uh, they, they're not going to fly with me. Verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, uh, verse 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, and yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You know, this whole thing about being a Christian, serving the Lord, it's, it's a cross-bearing Christianity that we live. Bearing a cross, we talked about it this morning, it's a sacrifice. It's inconvenient. If we make excuses, we're not bearing the cross. If we, we say, well, I'm too busy, i got this going on, and, and, and Lord, please, excuse me because of that, God says, you're not bearing your cross. You're not bearing your cross. You know, it, it's, it's bearing a cross to go to the, to the nursing home and preach to those folks there. I know, I've done it. It's tough. It's not easy. But you know what? Those people need that. They need that. And, and the church needs to have people there representing them. Uh, I remember many, many times going to the nursing home. And, and I'll be quite honest with you. Uh, I probably cut my teeth in preaching at the nursing home. I learned a whole lot of what not to do at the nursing home. You know what I mean? Uh, and listen, people need to be a part. Uh, you have an, an addictions program on Friday night, correct? Is that correct, Pastor? Uh, listen, uh, people need to be here. Someone needs to sacrifice their Friday night. Friday night, oh no, not my Friday nights, not my, not my time with my family. God says, are you willing to bear your cross? Someone's gotta teach a Sunday school class. Someone's gotta run the buses. It's a sacrifice. It's a cross. You gotta get up a little earlier. You gotta show up to church a little earlier. You gotta do a little extra studying throughout the week. It is a cross. Are you willing to bear the cross? Or are you gonna say, well, for this reason I can't, for that reason I can't, for this situation over here, this hinders me and that hinders me. We're making excuses. Look at verse 33 of Luke 14. Verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. What are you saying, preacher? Uh, what are you saying? we got to give it all up? What are you saying? we got to, you know, uh, uh, give it all Sunday and where we come and give our whole paycheck? Is that what you're saying, preacher? That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying we need to be willing to. We need to be willing to. You see, because 
if we're willing to do what's difficult, what's inconvenient, what's a sacrifice, listen, God will bless, God will provide because we're placing our faith in Him. You see, I tell my my wife this all the time. I, I tell our kids, worry is a learned behavior. And so is faith. You see, we must exercise our faith. Uh, in exercising, uh, how many of you uh, go to the gym? Anybody here go to the gym? I know we got a few here. Okay, you go to the gym uh, and you do some, uh, any weightlifters here? People that lift weights, okay? I used to do that a long time ago. Amen? And uh, I gave it up. Anyway, anyway, so, because I didn't need to anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, when you lift weights and you, you stretch those muscles, guess what? You're tearing the muscles. It hurts. It's painful. But the only way it's going to get stronger is by tearing it and it rebuilding. Tearing it and it rebuilding. That's the only way. The only way your faith muscle is going to get stronger is by you and I exercising that muscle. Exercising it. It's going to be painful. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be sometimes, man, this hurts. That's okay. God sees your faith. You're not making excuses. You're giving God all you have and He will bless you. I heard a story about a missionary to Romania. He uh, witnessed to a man who was really poor. I mean, he was really down and out. This man trusted Christ as his Savior, and uh, his house was very primitive. He had no refrigerator. He had no electricity. Uh, the, the house had a dirt floor. They had no running water. And you could see uh, through the holes in his roof, and uh, obviously it gets very cold there, sometimes 20 below zero. This man was poor, very poor. Uh, and the missionary got the man a job transporting bags of potatoes for a farmer. Now, obviously, the farmer was very well off. The farmer was very successful. And so the bags were about 100 pounds or so, and he would work six days a week for 10 hours a day, making about $5 a day. Can you imagine that? The man made a deal with the night watchman. The farmer had a night watchman to keep uh, keep the thing safe, the property safe. And uh, this farm had thousands and thousands of bags of potatoes. And they agreed that each night after the man's shift, the night watchman would give him a bag of potatoes. After all, they had thousands and thousands of potatoes. This farmer was rich. This farmer had plenty. And so, he, uh, so the missionary eventually uh, visited his house and he noticed that he had all these potatoes. And the missionary asked him where he got the potatoes from, and the man replied that he had bought them from the night watchman. The missionary then asked him if the potatoes had belonged to the night watchman. Well, the man, of course, said, well, no. Uh, Then the missionary said, well, really what you've done is you're stealing the potatoes and you're paying someone to help you steal them. Is that correct? The man, of course, he he bowed his head in in shame, and he said, well, yes, I, I guess you're right. Then he said to the missionary, but, 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 but you don't understand. But you don't understand. I'm extremely poor. Uh, But you don't understand. Uh, This man has plenty of potatoes. He has thousands and thousands of bags of potatoes. You see, he's making excuses. He's done wrong. He's cheated. He's stolen. And he's saying, but I have a reason for doing it. I have an excuse. He said, uh, you don't understand, preacher, I need those potatoes. i got four kids to feed. That farmer has thousands and thousands of bags of potatoes. The missionary said to that poor man, he says, then you're saying that if a man is rich, you can steal from him. Is that right? Sounds like socialism to me. The man said, well, I, I guess so, I guess so. The missionary then said to the man, well, according to you, me being an American, I'm rich. Are you going to steal from me? 
The man said, oh no, no preacher, no, I would never steal from you. No, I love you too much. The missionary then asked him, well evidently, why don't you love that farmer enough not to steal from him? And he went on to teach him that there is never, there's never, there's never an excuse to do wrong. Never an excuse to do wrong. Listen, we make excuses as to why we can't read the Bible. We make excuses as to why we can't pray. We make excuses as to why we can't go to church. We make excuses as to why we can't witness. Well, you know, we make excuses as to why we can't volunteer, why we can't give, why we can't have a strong marriage, why we can't raise godly kids, why we can't keep a job. Listen, we make excuse after excuse after excuse. And my question to you tonight, will God accept our excuses? Not according to what the Bible says. He won't accept our excuses. So let's quit making excuses. Let's quit conjuring up and manufacturing reasons why we can't serve, why we can't give, why we can't do what we're called to do. We don't pray and we give the excuse that we don't have enough time. We're unthankful and we're covetous and we give the excuse that we don't have as much as someone else. We skip church and we give the excuse that, well, nobody likes me, people don't appreciate me, I'm never recognized or I'm too busy to go to church. Uh, there are people that have immoral relationships and they give the excuse, well, my spouse, they drove me to it, making excuses and making excuses. We, we, uh, we have all the vices and the bad habits in our life and we make the excuse that, man, we're afraid uh, of this and, and we can't do this. It's my upbringing, it's my family, it's, it's in my DNA and we make excuse after excuse after excuse. All we're doing is justifying our sin. That's all we're doing. We're just justifying our wrongdoing. I'm going to give you three examples of men in the Bible that made excuses that God did not accept. Uh, letter A, under point number uh, three, letter A, uh, good intentions are not an excuse. Good intentions are not an excuse. Y'all remember when God told King Saul, he said, go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, he says, go destroy everything. Everything, everyone, every animal, a man, woman, boy and girl, kill them all. And you remember they went and Saul said, aye, aye, captain, sir, yes, sir. And he went, but he didn't do it. He didn't kill them all. Uh, you know, they kept the best sheep. They kept the best oxen. They said, hey, man, we can serve God with this. Listen, he took the best. And, and when, when Samuel confronted him about it, uh, he, he said, well, the people made me do it. It's their fault. He made an excuse. He said, well, you know, they pressured me and, you know, they twisted my arm. And, and man, if, if it was just me, I would have just done the right thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. He made an excuse. Did God accept his excuse? No. He lost the right to be king because he did not obey completely. He made an excuse and he says, other people, it's their fault. Man, if it wasn't for them, if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for they, if it wasn't for that family, if it wasn't for that neighbor, if it wasn't for that co-worker, man, if it wasn't, man, I would do right. And you know what I say? Sure, sure, we're making excuses. We're making excuses. Let her be, let her be. Uh, good intentions are not an excuse. Other people are not an excuse. Other people are not an excuse. In Numbers chapter number 20, this is the second time that the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness. They're, they're complaining, they're griping, they're belly aching. We need water, we need water. This is the second time. The first time, uh, God had told Moses to strike the rock. You remember that. He says, strike the rock, and water came out, and they all had water to drink. 
Well, this time, Moses was a little agitated. Moses was frustrated with the Israelites. Moses was sick and tired of hearing their griping and belly aching. And, and he was angry. And he says, must we fetch water from this rock for you? As if he's the one that made the water come out. And instead, because God had told him, now speak to the rock. The second time, he says, don't strike it. Speak to it. And he was so angry. He was so frustrated that he took his staff and he smote the rock. Now, God still blessed and God still gave them water. But, but when he was confronted, uh, when God says, hey, uh, you're not going to enter the promise. And he said, well, but wait a second, Lord. Hold up. Uh, the people, uh, they were griping. It's millions of them. Lord, uh, please, uh, don't, you know, I made one mistake and, and now you're going to judge me for it. Did God accept his excuse? No. Uh, Moses died before they entered the promised land. And listen, the excuse, it doesn't matter what the excuse is. God will not accept it. God will not accept it. God accepts no excuses. Good intentions are not an excuse. Uh, other people are not an excuse. And let her see, bad circumstances are not an excuse. Bad circumstances are not an excuse. Hey, listen, we need revival in the church today. We need to quit making excuses. We need to stop trying to justify our wrong. Stop trying to justify our sin. Uh, uh, the example here is Job. Uh, Job, who had, uh, who did all everything, pretty much everything right, was serving God, loving the Lord, uh, praying for his kids. I mean, he was a just man. He was doing the right thing. And for the glory of God, God allowed Satan to afflict him. Uh, his children died. Uh, his health was bad. Uh, his wife even got twisted on him. And, and all these bad things happened. And for the most part, initially, he had a good testimony. He held uh, his, his head up high, uh, and his heart was right with the Lord, and he did the right thing. But eventually, eventually, he got uh, upset, uh, he got proud, he began to complain. Uh, listen, he told God that he had an excuse. Lord, you took all my kids. You let my kids die. Lord, you left me flat broke. Uh, Lord, you took my health from me. God, you let my wife get, get twisted on me. I, I know it's wrong to complain. I know it's wrong to get proud. But I have an excuse. Did God accept his excuse? Absolutely not. God said to him, uh, did God say, well, that's okay, Job. I understand. Well, it's okay, Job. I know that your circumstances were bad. I know the situation for your upbringing, that was difficult. I get it. I know you had some bad things happen to you, so it's okay. Is that what God said? Absolutely not. And listen, I'm not saying if you've been through something difficult and horrific, uh, that just forget about it and ignore it, act like it never happened. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, we're not trying to be callous about those things. But I am saying we can't use as a, as an excuse to not serve God. To not do what's right. Uh, you know, he said to him in, in uh, Job chapter 38 and verse 3, God speaking to Job, uh, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee. He says, those excuses you have, they're not going to fly with me, buddy. It doesn't matter how hard your life was, that does not give you an excuse to not serve me, to not live for me, to not honor me. And then Job eventually got his heart right once again in Job chapter 40 verses 3 and 4. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, listen to what he said, listen to what he said, I am vile. I am vile. I don't know too many people that would, would describe themselves that way today. Man, I'm vile. I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Lord, I'm just going to shut up because everything that's coming out is just a... A measly excuse. 
It's worthless. I'm vile. Uh, You're good to me. No matter how hard, how difficult my life is, no matter how bad my circumstances are, you have blessed me. So I'm going to stop complaining. I'm going to stop getting proud. I'm going to stop making excuses. Listen, until we get to the point that we admit I am vile, I am sinful, I am wicked, I am unrighteous, we'll never get to the point where we quit making excuses. We have to get to that point. We realize, man, we're not as good as we think we are. There's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's all of us. Every single one of us. It doesn't matter how much money we make. It doesn't matter what position we hold at work. It doesn't matter what great status we have. By the way, it doesn't matter how many followers we have on Facebook. It doesn't matter. You you with me? It doesn't matter how popular we are. We're vile. We're vile. And until we admit it, until we accept it, we're going to keep making excuses. Well, you know, I don't deserve that. Or I don't, you know, I shouldn't have to do that. Or, you know, he shouldn't expect me. Or they shouldn't, you know, uh, count on me to to do this and to do... I'm doing everything. Listen, let's quit making excuses. God will not accept them. It doesn't matter how uh, noble they are, how genuine or how sincere. God accepts no excuses. No excuses tonight, folks. Let's make sure we make a decision in our hearts. Lord... I'm going to stop making excuses for not serving, for not praying, for not reading, for not tithing, uh, for not witnessing, for not attending, for not serving. Hey, it's very clear what God's will is for every Christian, and that's to honor him with their life. Let's quit making excuses. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you tonight. And Lord, our hearts, I believe, at least mine is, Lord, it's heavy. It's heavy knowing that you created me to honor you, but Lord, the truth is that in many cases, I don't. And Lord, you created all of us to please you, but in many cases, Lord, we choose to please ourselves above you. Lord, help us to pick up our cross. Lord, help us to truly be your disciples. Lord, people who are willing to say yes I need to sacrifice. I need to do all that I possibly can for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God, and for the people of God. And Lord, we pray that you would convict us when we begin to formulate excuses. When we think in our hearts, well, I can get out of this one. Well, I can avoid that one. Lord, please, Holy Spirit, convict us, lead us, help us to submit to you in such a way that we quit making excuses. We understand from your word tonight that you won't accept them. Lord, help us, dear God, please, to do the right thing. We do love you, Lord, and thank you for all that you will do in and through our lives, Lord, when we do the right thing, when we don't make those excuses. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.